and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. As you know, we've recently started a new teaching series here at Coastline called Jesus, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, where we are looking at Jesus in his timeless nature. Here on the podcast, we're going to dive deep into each of these times, yesterday, today, and forever. We're hoping to find Jesus in places maybe we've never seen him before, or we're hoping to see him in brand new ways. Next week, we have Dr. Janine Hanger on to talk about some of the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John as a way to see Jesus's work in today's day and age and in the time at which the Gospels were written. In two weeks, we have family theologian Andrew Ferris to come on to talk all things end times. When, where, why, and what does it mean that Jesus will reign forever? But today, we have friend of the podcast, Dr. Charlie Trim on to talk about Jesus yesterday or Jesus in the Old Testament. Buckle up because this conversation covers everything from Lord of the Rings to end of the world to Moses to Jesus to the Old Testament and everything in between. I want to extend a big thanks to Dr. Trim for donating his time and some of his wisdom. And we really hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as we seek to see Christ in the Old Testament. Hey everybody, Hunter here with a quick disclaimer. I am going on sabbatical from April 17th to May 30th, which means I will not be in the office for those weeks. However, the podcast is not going anywhere. We have recorded episodes for my entire time off and we will release them normally each Thursday. I'm telling you this because while we believe prophetic gifts are alive at Coastline Covenant Church, we do not believe that we can tell the future. So some stuff mentioned may not come to pass or we might miss talking about some things that happened on Sunday in a sermon. So just know that these are really great episodes and they line up pretty much with everything happening at Coastline, but they were all recorded in the distant past and we didn't know when certain things were going to happen. So just keep that in mind as you listen and I will see you in June. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Trim and I will see you next sabbatical and everyone after that. Well, hello. Welcome to a conversation that I have been really excited about since the moment my last conversation with this person ended. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Charlie Trim, who is returning guest, returning champion here on the Coastline Covenant podcast. I am so excited to have him back for a lot of reasons. We are going to jump deep into the Old Testament today. But before we do, Dr. Trim, question. I am going to Italy soon. Actually, by the time this comes out, I'll be on my way to Italy. And I need a book to read for Italy. And I'm going to ask you this. Is now the time to start Lord of the Rings? How is that even a question? Of course it is. It's okay. So what what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to prep myself for this? How do I get ready for this? Uh, Just be excited. Just be excited. (laughs) Just be excited. That's all I need. Experience of your life. Yes. Italy won't even compare. You just be wanting to sit in your hotel room and read the book. Oh man. Could you imagine the look on my wife's face when I'm like, you enjoy the Tuscan countryside. You enjoy everything. I am so deep in the two towers right now, which I know is the second book. I know it's not the first one. So you just recommend jumping in. I think I'm going to do it. I think, I think I'm going to make that my Italy book. It's partly a question of what kind of reader are you? Like there's a lot of names. Do you feel like you have to know names and geography and so on, or can you just go with the story and call it good? If you tell me that it will enhance the story for me to get as deep into it as possible, then yeah, I will go deep and I will try to know it all. But if I can enjoy the story just at a base level, then I will enjoy it that way as well. So it's kind of choose my own adventure in that sense. Yeah, I would say for the first time through, just read it. But there is, for example, a atlas of Middle Earth uh, that brings you through the story and shows you where things are and so on. And so 
that can help because there's a lot of places and it's a journey. And so if you know where these things are, then that can help. Is it like the map in the back of my Bible? It just shows me where everything is and how do I uh, So there's actually a lot it? of comparisons because Lord of the Rings has like four or five maps in the back, just hmm. like your Bible does. And just like there's Bible atlases that show the same thing in much more detail, there's an atlas in Middle Earth that shows it in much more detail. Well, that is the the only hook I needed to read it. Now I'm 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 gonna absolutely become a fan of it and just jump jump so deep into it. I I, I like I like reading. And to answer your question, I love reading. I've read a lot of books. I've been enjoying reading in the past couple of years. I read 22 books last year for 2022, and I was like, that was too many. And so I'm kind of just going for quality over quantity now. And, you know, I've done my big books. I read Infinite Jest. I'm a, you know, 30-year-old white guy. Of course I have. And so I, uh, I I think I could take on Lord of the Rings because I have, like, the the brain to do it. So we'll see. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. I, I'm excited. We'll see. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Middle Earth. We're here to talk about Old Earth, I guess, is the way. If we could, that's the connection between Genesis and, and Lord of the Rings. But we're doing this series right now, Jesus Yesterday, Today, and Forever. And how I understand that is thinking about Jesus like temporally in time and space. And obviously in the gospels, you have Jesus like in time, in space as a person living on earth. And you think about that idea forever of Christ reigning, you think of revelation and the day of the Lord, but I'm fascinated in my own personal study about Jesus yesterday. And I understand that to be like Jesus in the old Testament and finding Christ in the old Testament. And, you know, I I think of a passage like Luke 24, 27, where the risen Christ is walking along with these men and he sits down and shows them everything in the Old Testament concerning him. And that passage has always really stuck out to me because you, as a Christian, you have this conception of the Old Testament that it's Jewish literature and it's old and there are names and God is so mad and angry. And, you know, there's some stuff in there that's good, but other stuff you don't really need to read. But I think that's not true at all. And I think that Jesus would even say that's not true. And so I I have you on today to talk about that idea of finding Christ in the Old Testament, finding Christ yesterday. And I remember being an undergraduate Bible student and walking into biblical theology with uh, Darian Lockett and thinking, isn't all theology biblical and using the kind of Luke 24, 27 as this is what biblical theology is trying to make sense of it all. And so I I, want to kind of start there and this is maybe a weird place to start, but like when I say biblical theology as a professor, what what is that to you? What what, what is the definition of biblical theology? And then how is kind of what I want to get at today in our conversation? How is that biblical theology? So I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question because I've written a book on seven different definitions of biblical theology. So we could probably do an entire podcast just on this. You Uh, wrote that book and then Lockett wrote the other one, the other seven definitions of it. (laughs) So there is some overlap between the two, um, for sure. Um, Mine's more on Old Testament things, so it's a little bit different sense there. Um, Part of the problem with biblical theology is different people use the term different ways, and so it's hard to define because everyone's using it different ways. And the sense of our conversation, perhaps I'll just bring up a few. One popular way of thinking about biblical theology is learning about theology from historical events. So how does God interact with history? And so looking at creation, exodus, conquest, and so on, uh, what can we learn about God from these various events? Uh, And then, of course, incarnation is the ultimate saving event of God in history and so on. So that's one kind of biblical theology that would definitely be relevant um, for this. Another one is uh, what I call a multiplex approach where 
instead of looking at just historical events, because one of the downfalls of that particular way is what you do with wisdom literature or the prophetic mm-hmm. texts, things that aren't as focused on history. So looking at just broader themes throughout the Old Testament is another way that some people do biblical theology. And so I think that could be relevant here as well. Uh, and then there's one called canonical biblical theology right, uh, that right, right. seeks to bring in much more of the entire text as a whole. New Testament, how does that interact with the Old Testament? There's different ways of doing that. Even there's disagreement about what that means. But those are yeah. the three that are particularly relevant for this conversation. Yeah, and I want to highlight that third one because that's where I think I would probably say I lean a little bit, this idea of a canonical understanding of biblical theology. Brevard Childs being a uh, theologian who has talked about this extensively. And in, in his book, uh, I think it's called The Biblical Theology of the Old and New Testament, he has a quote about the Bible, the Christian Bible being a problem, which is such a scandalous kind of controversial thing to say. But I just think he means that, like, how do you reconcile the fact that, like, there is wisdom literature in the same book or in the same testament as you have, like, creation and in the same whole Bible as you have like Jesus's revelation. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at today. Like Jesus, if the whole Bible is about Jesus, then how can we understand him in a book like Genesis in the same way we maybe could understand him in a book like Psalms or Proverbs? And so I guess the, the, the question to kind of start with is like, in your opinion, what is the Old Testament about? What is the whole point of the Old Testament? And if we're going to find Jesus in it, you know, how can we start with just a definition? Yeah, this is one of the questions my students ask me sometimes. When God interacts with Abraham, Genesis 12, why don't we just have Jesus there? Can't we just start with Jesus instead of doing all this Old Testament stuff? And I resonate with that to some extent. Like that does seem a little bit simpler. Uh, but there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, in large part, I think it's preparatory for Jesus to help us understand what God is doing, taking on human form. What does that mean? Uh, so the sacrificial system, the covenant background, I think all of that is really important. The establishment of promises, of showing what God is going to do, the long process of it all. Uh, I think sometimes, maybe this is just an American thing, we like our completed action rather than the process. Like, can we just get to the end? Right. But God is often like, no, let's, let's take a journey. And the whole point is not the end of the journey. It is the journey. Like, as we walk along in faith with God. And so the Old Testament, I think, helps to illustrate that because we have the same question today, New Testament terms. So Jesus left. Why has it been 2000 years? Like, can't he come back now? Like what's God doing? And so the old Testament is kind of the same parallel of yeah, we're, we're going on this journey together. We're, we're learning about God together um, on this journey. So the old Testament provides preparatory background, helps us to uh, understand what God's doing uh, through the incarnation. It, provides the promises, the the basis, the beginning of the salvation event. So there's a whole bunch of things happening in the Old Testament that eventually end up in that incarnational cross, resurrection, ascension kind of package. And so the Old Testament as a journey is journeying towards Christ, is what you're saying? Yes. And what's interesting now is we're in this in-between time where we're journeying with Christ in a very real sense, we're in Christ. Uh, and then, but we're still journeying to Christ even now in a sense, because we have new creation still in our future as well. So things are not completed. It's like Old Testament saints, we live in this time of now, but not yet, where there's these promises and they've been fulfilled, but there's promises that are not fulfilled. And so we're still on this journey um, as well. 
Wow. I, I, I think that's a really compelling thought. I don't think many people have thought about the fact that like we are also in that state, like in Abraham who his, it's, as it says in Genesis 15, right? His faith was credited to him as righteousness. And in some way, that's kind of the same thing for us. Like we're still in that in-between phase. We haven't seen the full promise of God come into fruition. So I want to ask you this. If the Bible is, or the Old Testament is journeying towards Jesus, is there any place in the Old Testament where Jesus is not then? All right, so start with the big questions, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you could... He could start with places where is, say, the book of Esther, is Jesus not there? Because God's not even there. So the name God doesn't appear in the book of Esther and so on. So is God present in the book of Esther? Well, clearly in a canonical context, yes. I mean, so building on the promises, God's going to be with his people. God is working providentially to be with them and so on. So God is clearly present in Esther, even though his name is not mentioned. And so thinking about, is Jesus in the Old Testament? This is not a quest to find Jesus' name or specific references and so on. It's how, who is Jesus and how does he fit into this overarching narrative that we find here? So kind of refining the question a little bit to help us avoid one possible misunderstanding of what it is that we're looking for in that. He's not like hiding behind the burning bush. He's not like waiting in the wings on Sinai, like, oh, just let me talk to them. Like it's, you have to ask the bigger question. I love that. I think that's, I think that's, you know, that's the million dollar question. Like what, what can I do as someone reading the Bible, like to, to see Jesus in these, these passages? What, how would you answer that question? So I would see Jesus two primary ways in the old Testament. Uh, when we think about finding Jesus in the Old Testament, normally we think about something related to his humanity. So, for example, Jesus comes as king. He's going to be the Davidic king. And so we look at the Davidic covenant, promises to David about kingship. Jesus is then connected to David. And so Jesus is the great king, uh, the fulfillment of Davidic covenants. So I, that's clearly an important way. But Often what we do is it's connections with Jesus in the incarnation, taking on human form, in a sense, Jesus and his humanity. And there's a whole bunch there associated with that. We can go into much more detail and give some other examples and so on. But the other part that's not talked about is Jesus is, of course, also second person of the Trinity. And so he's God. And so in that sense, when you see Yahweh in the Old Testament, I don't think that's specifically God the Father and not Jesus. I think mm. that's Trinity. So then when the New Testament authors refer to the Old Testament, they often will say, take the name Yahweh and apply it to Jesus. So when you see Yahweh in the Old Testament, I think for the most part, that's Trinity, which then means that's Jesus. So Jesus and his divinity, he, he it's not like he was taking a beach vacation over Old Testament times so and then like, <laughs> you know, in the fourth quarter got called in like, oh, in incarnation, here's Jesus' turn. Uh, he's been active this whole time throughout the Old Testament. So whenever you see Yahweh, whenever you see God doing things in the Old Testament, that's Jesus. So in that sense, yeah, he's everywhere because God is everywhere in the Old Testament as well. So I think those are the two primary categories, Jesus and his divinity and then Jesus and his humanity. And both of those things we see the Old Testament uh, witnessing towards what Jesus is doing. 
And even like you think about the divine name and then you think of the seven I am statements in the gospel of John, which we talk about next week with Dr. Janine Hanger. But like, it's, it couldn't be any more clear that he's like, I, that's me. Like you look back, like I'm saying that right now today, which is just so cool. And that's probably my favorite part of the Bible when it feels like that MC Escher painting where it's like the hand drawing the hand, you know, I'm talking about that one. Yeah. I always reference that because that's what it feels like scripture is, is a consistent conversation within itself about itself. And so um, with that in mind, like, I keep going back to that Luke 24 passage because it's Jesus helping these guys understand the Old Testament through him and through what he's done and through his death and resurrection. And so does Jesus help us understand the Old Testament? So are we looking back and reading the Old Testament or does the Old Testament help us understand Jesus? Like we read Genesis and we look forward. And clearly, yes, right? Uh, <laughs> so it's both of these yes. things. Um, so when... New Testament authors talk about the Old Testament. They generally, I think, assume the Old Testament and then use that to describe something about Jesus. So there's there's a lot of that happening. So, and I think that's much what the Old Testament is doing is preparing the way for Jesus, uh, explaining sacrificial system and covenant and kingship and all these things. And so, the Old Testament helps us understand Jesus. But I think in many ways, Jesus helps us understand the Old Testament better as well. Now, perhaps where I might get a little more controversial, I'm not sure how often it's necessarily revelatory. Like, mm. could someone understand this apart from Jesus? So, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about some of the Ten Commandments and the laws and so on, there, I don't think he's expanding it to something new. I think he's telling us what these things have always meant. So mm. adultery or murder, talking about how murder is being angry at your brother or something like that. I think that's how the law should have been read from the very beginning. So he's helping us read the Old Testament, but not necessarily in a revelatory sense. That is, I'm giving you this new authoritative interpretation. He's helping us read it as it should have been read all along. No, clearly Jesus is God. He's revealing things and so on, but it's not primarily interpretative of Old Testament. I think there's some exceptions. We obviously learn more about God. The whole Trinity thing um, obviously is important as well. It's pretty hard to get Trinity out of Old Testament for some subtle hints along the way. So there's clearly lots of new revelation, but I think it's primarily helping us see things that we probably could have seen anyway. But mm. once again, this is a little controversial, so we'll throw it out there and see, see where the oh, conversation goes. Oh, I love goes. it. I mean, I'm all about the controversy. I think, <laughs> I think generally, like the Bible is weirder and more controversial than we want to give it credit for as like evangelical Christians. I think like when you let it rip, it's like, whoa, this thing is strange. I think the fact that like the Trinity is such a New Testament idea is controversial because you have people, isn't it Martin Luther who says you see the Trinity in Genesis 1, 26, when God said, let us create man in our image. And is that the Trinity? Is that, you know, God talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit? I mean, how would, how would you answer that? Like, that's, that's one of these things that I'm thinking of like, wait, am I looking to, am I looking behind Genesis one and saying Jesus is waiting in the wings or, you know, like, let's, let's just use that as an example. How would someone understand that passage then? Is Jesus there? Is Jesus not there? Yeah, I would prefer to read that more divine counsel kind of language. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. in ancient Near Eastern context, this is how someone would have understood that. Now, thinking from New Testament perspective, is Jesus there? Well, yes, of course. Yes. So Trinity, Trinity is there as part of the conversation, but I think this is God involving other beings as part of that. 
Um, this is where Tolkien has some interesting ideas too. Yes. He's got a, he's got a creation account and the angels, the equivalent of the angels are part of that. So they're singing together and so on. And so it's just a nice creative imagination. Like what, what was that like? So when Genesis one says, let us like, what, what, what are the angels doing? And so Tolkien gives us some nice like creative images of what that might be like. Another another reason to read it to get more out of the creation account. I I love the divine counsel idea, and I think this kind of helps me with my next thought here and my next question for you. Like the Bible exists within this like culture, like the ancient Near Eastern culture. You just said it. Like someone reading Genesis one would have understood the let us in terms of like an ancient divine counsel. And as I've worked with students and even gone in seminary, you know, you read other like creation accounts. You read other things like you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Enuma Elish and things like that. And so what helps our Old Testament stand apart from those other stories? And is it Jesus? Is it the fact that like the Enuma Elish isn't pointing to some like Babylonian savior, but Genesis is, or is there a complete other reason that you would say like those things stand apart? There's a variety of reasons. Uh, One major difference is a lack of eschatology in other places. So for example, Enuma Elish is a political statement serve the babylonian king because the babylonian god rescued everyone else from destruction therefore all other gods should serve marduk the babylonian god and all other kings should serve the babylonian king so it's an imperialistic document and it has clear application serve babylonian king but there's no eschatological statement in that worldview it's just more of the same forever like this is what Mm. we're always going to do Mm. and so there's not a lot of eschatology in that sense. And so this is where Old Testament is somewhat different. Now, as Christians, we have to be nervous about this because there's less eschatology in the Old Testament than the New Testament. And so we can be too quick to read some of the New Testament eschatology into the Old Testament. But there's still a sense of there is a greater Davidic king coming. There is a fulfillment of Abrahamic covenant. It's just a little vaguer than New Testament witness would be about what that actually looks like. So I do think that's one of the differences is the Old Testament is going somewhere as a system Mm. that other ancient or Eastern systems aren't going. Um, Monotheism and polytheism would be the other major difference as well. Uh, And and of course, that influences eschatology and creation, a variety of other areas. Yeah. And eschatology just being like the study of last things, the end times as, as Christians know it today. And I think it's really fascinating that you talk about eschatology in the Old Testament, because that's, that's something that I've always wondered about, like the idea of revelation in how connected it is to the Old Testament, but you don't really have a ton of Old Testament texts besides like Daniel and the idea of like the day of the Lord coming in as like the the very last thing. And so let me ask you this then, like how can we understand something like revelation in the Old Testament apart from Christ? Can we? Does the cross kind of help us understand it? And then we can look back and say, oh, this passage is in Daniel about the son of man coming. Like now those make a lot more sense. Yeah. In the sense that Old Testament has a lot of promises, um, something is going to happen. That's kind of, that's how I describe eschatology in the Old Testament. Hmm. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Not entirely sure what it looks like, but it's going to be awesome. And so There's New your Testament. Ancestors and land, and you're maybe going to come up out of the grave at some point, and everybody will be there, or nobody will be there, but it, it's going to be awesome. Yes. So the undercurrent is clear. It's going to be awesome. Uh, what exactly it looks like? 
that's where the question marks are. So New Testament helps answer some of those, but there's still a whole bunch of question marks as well about new creation and eschatology and how does this body relate to our new resurrection body, whatever else. So in that sense, we are still waiting for a lot of answers as well for new creation uh, for those things to be answered. But Old Testament, like yeah, there's there's Davidic king, there's blessing to the nations, all this kind of stuff. Um, there's going to be some kind of judgment of evildoers. There will be justice done. Injustice will be defeated. Those are the kinds of things that are there that then get fleshed out over time. So when, like, Daniel is writing, Daniel, I mean, let's just, as simply as I can put that, <laughs> when he sits down at his desk and he's like, I'm going to write a book about me, and he, he starts writing these passages, does he have Jesus in mind? Does he have, like, this idea of a Messiah coming and dying on a cross and all these things? Like, the, what he's writing is going to be that? Or is he writing about something else entirely and Jesus just comes and recontextualizes, repurposes it for his purposes? This is one of the debates in Old Testament theology. When it talks about Messiah, or Isaiah 53 is kind of the classic example, is this— right national Israel, or are we talking mm. a specific individual? So the servant, who is the servant? And there are clear texts in Isaiah where the servant is national Israel. It's not an individual. And so the Jewish inclination has been to read Isaiah 53 as national Israel, not a specific person. And so Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah, even Abraham, what exactly are they looking for? Is it an individual? Um, and so say second temple Judaism, they have this debate as well. And so like one theory is there's the two messiahs, there's the royal messiah and then the priestly messiah. And, oh, and that's so fascinating. Uh, and so there's a variety of ways of kind of navigating this in Jewish literature. So are they, do they know about Jesus as that specific individual. So there's clearly lots they don't know. Do they know Jesus' hair color and shoe size? Like, no, clearly not. <laughs> do we know those things? Exactly. And so do they know he's going to be an individual? I would say probably, at least there. Davidic king, probably yes. But I'm not sure how much beyond some of those kinds of things they're necessarily aware of. So then let's, let me talk about Moses for a second then. So Moses, he gets to experience God in some forms or another. I'm thinking of like Exodus 19 through 24. Um, and then obviously all of the wilderness stuff. And when he sees God or the fire pot and the furnace and the thunder and things like that, is that, that's God, but is that also Jesus? Is that like pre-incarnate Christ or like the idea of like the angel of the Lord? Is that Jesus? Is that Jesus before he was born or what, what are those things? If not, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's one of the, the classic readings of angel of Yahweh is that this is Jesus. It could be uh, the new Testament doesn't make that connection. I'd be happier to say that if there's new Testament authors who are doing that and the mere fact the new Testament, new Testament authors don't do that makes me wonder because oh, they're, they're going all over the place through the Old Testament to find various texts about Jesus, but this one doesn't seem to come up. And so, yes, there's clear, in a sense, slipperiness between Yahweh and the angel of Yahweh. So angel of Yahweh is there, and then it says, and Yahweh said. like, So wait, is that then 
special representative? Is this Yahweh directly? Uh, and so one Christian interpretation is, well, it's Jesus. I'm not sure. Like, sure, it could be. Sure. Um, but yeah. I'm not convinced necessarily that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, as far as I've always learned or known is that angels is a job title, right? Messenger. And the idea of this pre-incarnate Christ only coming and giving messages. Again, you're right. I don't, you don't see that elsewhere, but I'm not uncomfortable. That doesn't um, keep me up in my theological quandaries at night. I have far different questions uh, besides those. Uh, okay. So I want to ask about Jesus salvation and, and obviously being Christians, this side of the cross, we can look in the gospels, see an account of Jesus and believe and be saved, as Paul would say, as you know, all the New Testament authors would say. What about someone who in first century didn't have a canonized Bible? They heard the story of Jesus. The connections between the Old Testament are a little bit fuzzy. What would you say to them if they were like, I don't like the Old Testament. I don't care about the Old Testament. I don't understand the Old Testament. Would you say like, you need to have it all in front of you? Or would you say like, you don't need to understand it? I'm just wondering for those Christians who died centuries ago, millennia ago, who didn't have a canonized Old Testament, who heard the story of Jesus, like what does the Hebrew Bible mean to them? That's a good question. Uh, I would say salvation is always by faith. So they got to start there. Mm -hmm. It's always by faith. The content will shift a little bit. So Old Testament saints are saved by faith, just as New Testament saints are, but the content is somewhat different. So their faith is in Yahweh and on Yahweh's coming salvation, whatever that looks like. They don't have as much content. So for us as New Testament saints, we have faith in Yahweh and we can look back at certain things and see what God has done. We can look back at the cross and resurrection and so on. And we also have faith about eschatology, about what God is going to do. There's going to be a mm -hmm. second coming and so on. So it's all by faith, but the contents will vary. Now that's kind of the mainstream, all other things being equal. So then you start thinking about, well, what if you have someone who doesn't know this particular text or doesn't have this content? Right. So is there a place for someone in a new Testament time period, but who doesn't have access to new Testament documents can they be saved by faith if they don't know about Jesus and the cross and all the details? That, that's where it gets complicated. I'm not entirely sure, and I'm unwilling to make dogmatic statements on that. Besides, I know Jesus is kind and loving, and God's going to make good decisions, and I'm going to trust him with that. So, yeah, uh, that that's... Yeah, the, yeah so yeah. also, yeah, but like the idea that you need... The Old Testament to understand Jesus or Jesus to understand the Old Testament, like not having the Old Testament, is that just like if that person would they have just like a, a sub faith? I don't think it would be a sub faith. I would say the content of that faith could be strengthened in a variety of ways mm. if they had the Old Testament. So the if all you have, like let's say you're a Roman walking around Judea and you see Jesus and you hear him talking and you see him die on the cross and be resurrected. Uh, if you don't have the Old Testament background, you're going to be pretty confused at a variety of points, but <laughs> yes. you can have faith. That's a true faith. Got and it. And so it's not necessary in that sense for salvation, but because it's about faith. And so, but as you have that faith, then there's a natural sense to want to grow in that. So the bigger problem would be, 
rejecting the Old Testament once you know about it. I think that would be the issue rather than do you know all the details about it? And then this is not on the paper, but I just, you just made me think of it. Like is a weak Christology a reason why Christians maybe don't engage with the Old Testament as much? A weak Christology. That's not the first thing that comes to mind for me. Same. But after you kind of said that, like you can, you can believe it and that's great. And then you don't need the Old Testament in that sense. But I'm just wondering, like, <sighs> I, I, cause I just, I mean, working in a church for as long as I have gone, going to Biola, Talbot, all those things, like the, the Old Testament is just not something that people really want to talk about apart from like some holidays you know, some things like this, it was only until things like biblical theology and things like the Bible project really like opened up my brain. And I got to read so many other authors who were like, no, the whole thing matters, all 66 books. And so I wonder like if we had a bigger view of Jesus, like I specifically think like we're recording this during Holy Week and like the last supper, Jesus talks about, you know, his blood being poured out for the covenant, referencing the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, like having a picture of Jesus that his life and death and resurrection reach farther back than just his life, but to the whole story of the old Testament, like won't that make people want to peek over there and read it a little bit more? Yeah. In those terms. Yeah. I, th I think that's good. <laughs> um, wanting to understand more about Jesus thinking we have it all down because we have the new Testament. Um, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you just saying yes to that. I mean, I mean, I think, I think that is something that I really have a bee in my bonnet about when it comes to evangelical Christianity. And so with that, my last question is if someone's hearing this and they're like, these guys are just talking too much about nonsense. I want to read a book that will help me understand where we can see Jesus, how we can see Jesus, Jesus's role in the old Testament. Where would you point them? Uh, my favorite book on this topic is by Christopher Wright. Um, it's called how to preach and teach the old testament for all it's worth and so oh. it's about a variety of different things but there's two chapters in there on jesus in the old testament in particular that are really helpful for developing some categories and helping people think through it that's great i i will put a link to that in the notes and i want to then ask what's like the nerdiest like highest technical resource that you could point people to if someone's like my jstor account is just sitting there i want to <laughs> jump in like what would you give them oh boy that I'm not sure. Um, maybe like some of Richard Bauckham's work. Uh, he talks oh. a lot about Jesus and Old Testament background and so on. Um, I like Bauckham a lot. Um, I think I, I was checking to see. I think, didn't he do a great revelation commentary that I have over there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God crucified is one. Monotheism and Christology in the New Testament. Um, Ooh. N.T. Wright, of course, is great for thinking about Jesus yeah. and Old Testament backgrounds and in a variety of ways. Christopher Wright has written some other books as well. Um, is this like is it Jesus in the Old Testament or something like that? No. Oh, Knowing God Through Jesus or I don't know, something. <laughs> um, those books are also good, really helpful. That's a good title. There's a trilogy. Knowing God Through Jesus. Oh, it's a trilogy, just like Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> but I also shorter. really like um, Much Shorter. I also really like Richard Hayes reading backwards. This is a smaller book, but it's a, uh, it's it, again, it's kind of technical, but it, it really rocks. It really, I think helps us understand what we're talking about. This idea of like reading backwards and looking forwards, of course. And then um, Graham Goldsworthy, he's an Australian biblical theologian, Christ-centered biblical theology. I mean, that's a good one. Would, have you interacted with his stuff at all? Yeah. Some, some of these works, they find Jesus in a bit too many places that make me a little like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay. So that was going to be my off air question, but since we're here, I'll just ask it. So like, I remember my friend bought a Bible and it was like the Jesus and everything Bible. Have you seen this? Where no. it's like, it's, it's like, it's every page is like, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. And it's like in every single book of the Bible, old Testament, new Testament, like this is where you find Jesus. How would you respond? A kid, a student comes in day one, you say, open your Bibles and they open that Bible up in class. What would you say to that? I mean, I have to see what they actually did with it. It could be quite helpful in a variety of ways. Uh, the danger is flattening the Bible so that you ignore all the other things. Um, so Chris Wright talks about this uh, in his book. So for example, if you're reading Old Testament prophets who are talking about justice, and then you immediately start talking about how we only have justice through Jesus who brings us righteousness or something, you've completely missed the point of talking about being just in this world we live in and fighting injustice and so on. So that's a potential danger. It's just flattening things out. And if you have a particular view of Jesus, you you miss other parts of the Bible that might challenge you in a variety of ways. Um, and then as well, all your sermons are going to sound the same after a while. Like it's all it's all Romans and like individual salvation. And so where's the rest of the biblical text and so on? Those would be some of the dangers, I think. That's a really good word. And I think that like, if God wanted the whole Bible to be Romans, it would be Romans, but it's not, it's, it's this wide story that goes so far before Jesus, but not really because he was there as well. So I really appreciate you helping us flesh some of this out. Again, this is something that I get really excited about. People in the office today were like, you seem giddy. And it's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really get, nerdy, which is my favorite thing to do. So Dr. Trim, appreciate your time so much. Uh, hope you have a wonderful week and, uh, man, I hope that our people listen to this and jump into the old Testament with a lot of excitement and with new eyes to see Jesus in ways they haven't seen it before. So thanks so much. 